Hi everyone, my name's Steve Tudor and welcome to 30 Random Footballing Questions, the pod that takes a deep dive into the sporting soul of a 93-20 contributor and finds out what gets them off a seat. Next up on our interrogation rack, entirely of his own volition, we have George Cockburn, a lifelong blue, a man of the arts, but what team makes his skin itch? And would he willingly erase Sergio Aguero's last gas strike against QPR to ensure we got Pep? Let's find out. Hello, George. How are you, sir? Hello, Steve. Yeah, I'm doing great, thanks. Yourself? I'm very good, yeah. Yeah, we were just talking off air, weren't we? It's kind of a long day for us both in work, but it's um, England-Scotland this evening. I'll, we'll catch a second half, no doubt, of this huge, momentous game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The world's biggest friendly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to be fair, it's the oldest. It's the oldest international it is, match yeah. ever, isn't it? But, um, yeah. Yeah, not for that. I read up on it um, the other day, and apparently um, there was a game of football in 1740 or something between the Duke of Cumberland, I think, and someone in Scotland and their clans, and the game was cancelled because 30 people were killed during the game. <laughs> wow, wow. Do you, reckon, do you reckon that was due to a dodgy offside call? That's what I thought. Yeah. I thought, I bet that's fucking far. <laughs> yeah, just drew, drew swords and muskets from the side and just had at it. Oh, God, that, that, that would source out a lot of problems today, I feel, in football. <laughs> yeah, if, if, if the officials were wary of uh, a, a scimitar yes. being, coming their way mid-match, yeah. Yeah, I don't think Edison would get booked at the Etihad if that was the case, but yeah, for time-wasting. Ah, anyway, um, let's get straight to it, um, and let's start at the start, I guess. What is your earliest footballing memory? This is a this is a tough one, when looking back and thinking on what what is a memory and what is something I look back on of that, that time and, um, and is something maybe I've constructed as a memory. Yes, but- yeah. So for me, it's the kind of the, the main season I remember is the 01-02 season in Division 1, uh, Keegan's first year as a manager. Mm. All those uh, great football, great team, uh, you know, the Invisible Man, no, no away fans at Millwall, all that kind of stuff. And uh, and I remember after the season finished, really watching that Back to the Premiership DVD, like the season review. Mm. Uh, I think it was like had a rip off Back to the Future logo, like Back to the Premiership. <laughs> and uh, I used to just watch that pretty much every day, all the hundred odd goals we scored that season. But that's all a bit of a blur. So probably my memory is, is of that summer when I was on holiday for the first time abroad, went to France with my family in our little Fiat Punto, drove drove um, drove down south and through the Channel Tunnel and um, was watching the Japan and Korea World Cup. Mm. And we were watching uh, at night uh, the like the the Haven holiday where we were had like a big screen on for the England Argentina match, and Beckham scoring that penner and then his his kind of redemption arc mm. running to the corner where he like grabbing his grabbing the England shirt and I just remember the whole place going mental and that's a really really like a fond memory I have of of that of of that goal. Nice. Um, what about city games and, and specifically going to city games? What was your first one? You first time you went to Main Road or the Etihad? Yeah, first time I went to Main Road was um, two thousand two, uh, City versus Blackburn. Um, we were two nil down at half time. Tiato sent off, <laughs> and then of course and then, um, of course, and uh, and then Gota and Anelka pulled it back for two all, and I just remember everything about that day really like driving down Kingsway and you know all the way up to Moss Side and then 
parking up, walking and looking around all these people going in the same direction. It kind of, mm. it's almost like this kind of pilgrimage as it is. And um, and then just, just I was just obsessed of looking at the crowd and that the sea of people. I'd never really been in anything like that before. And then when we pulled those two goals back and everybody going mental and, um, you know, because in those days we didn't obviously have loads of uh, loads of big games and, and trophies to cheer on. So these little moments were, were really <laughs> special. I just remember... When the equalizer went in, everybody going mental, everybody so happy, and I just, I was just hooked from them. Just something inside of me was like, right, I want to, I want to keep doing this for the, for the rest of my life. Yeah, what you said there just reminded me of. Um, I did a podcast with a West Ham pod today for ahead of this weekend's game, and and he was saying that you know it's kind of all relative, isn't it? You know, we experienced the treble last year, but even fans like West Ham, if they beat Nottingham Forest or something you know they still feel ecstasy it's all it's all relative you know to them it's like you know if they're going into a game against united and they're not expecting to win and they win it that's a huge thing whereas yeah perhaps we go into derbies these days and think oh i hope we batter them as opposed to i hope we win um yeah, and yeah it kind definitely of brought it home to me and it, and, it kind of, and it did remind me of city of that era you know it's kind of um where you go to the game and if you did pull a two-goal deficit back you remember that for weeks after. <laughs> it was an amazing feeling. Yeah, you, you're on a higher, and I think, like you say, deaf football is so relative because you look at you look at United fans these days. You know, growing up, they were just all my friends were United fans, and they're surrounded by them, and they were just you know success around every corner, and probably didn't get up for as many games. And you look at them now, now that it's been like a decade where they've slowly got you know, worse and worse and starving of that success. Mm. They they do celebrate more the the smaller the yes. smaller wins and the smaller games and even if they've had a rubbish season, if they beat us in the derby, they love it. You hear all about it. Kind of like it used to be for us when we'd have a pants year, but we'd, we'd do them 4-1 at home just randomly because <laughs> we were up for it and the crowd was up for it and we, we would live off that for a year and they're kind of doing that now. It's, it's a strange reversal. It's so sweet. It's a sweet reversal is what it is. <laughs> yeah, it sure is. Um, do you have a second team? Nah, I don't. I don't really be- believe in second teams. I, I get. I get why some people do. Maybe if you've kind of uh, born one place and you move about and all mm. and all that kind of stuff. Especially if you move moving countries as well. I think you know that's a pretty solid reason. But yeah, I don't really have a, a fun, especially in the UK, for another team. I, I I've got one team I always look out for the results for. When I went on a school trip to um in year nine to Utrecht and we went to an FC Utrecht match <laughs> and um Dries Mertens was playing for them and yes. Ricky Van Wolfswinkle, who went to Norwich, <laughs> Norwich I think, yeah. a bit later on down the line. And uh, I went to that game, so I've kind of got a soft spot for them. I wouldn't say I followed them in any kind of way, can't claim to be a big fan, but I do always look out for their results, funnily enough. Who was your favourite player when you were little? When I was little, I um I started out when I played footy as kind of a right back or the right side of defence. So for me, Sunji High was uh, he was a right. big hero of mine. Yeah. Um, he's not going to be many people's hero when they were little. Um, <laughs> on on non uniform days at school, when we used to go in, or some of my classmates would come in with like Van Nistelrooy on the back of their shirt, uh, Veron had you know signed around that time and all these kind of people. And then I would come in with my uh, first advice, Sunji High shirt and uh, loud and proud. And so I was, a, I was always a big fan of him. And then of course, Shawnee Wright at that era, he was in in his first spell at City, he was so exciting. And he was, if we were going to do well, he was going to always have scored, scored a belter or a den, mm. had a great game. He, we, we depended so much on him during that time. So I loved him. And then 
you've got the likes of Gota and Anelka as well, who was obviously the strikers, goal scorers of that era for us. And somebody like Anelka, who was far too good to be playing for City at that time, obviously he was a, a big hero of mine as well. I asked this question to Howard and, and he's, you know, kind of, well, he's my age, so kind of, we, we go back to the 80s when we really were rubbish. I guess when you were kind of growing up, it was, as you said then, Anelka, you know, was some really decent yeah. players knocking around. So I'm not sure how this question fits, but it's a, it's a question that fascinates me nonetheless. So is there a player from that era who you think would have really thrived by being coached by Pep Guardiola? Yeah, this is what I've been thinking about all day, to be honest, and and I think you, you and Howard did mention the likes of Bernabe and Berkovic. Yes. Real, real good ball players, great, very skillful, great pass. Um, but I'm going to go with Sylvan Distan. I think, oh, great shout, yeah. I think he was great on the ball, really athletic, fast, great. Him and Dunn were a big reason we didn't get relegated probably those first couple of years we when we got promoted back from the old Division 1 those like first three years, that centre-back partnership was as much as grief as Dunny gets from some other football fans. Those two really saved us, and especially Distan. That goal he scored, I think, Villa away, where he runs most of the length of the pitch and bangs it in. Yeah, I think under Pep, um, especially being on the left-hand side, Pep would have loved him for that. Um, so as, as a left foot centre back so yeah I think Sylvan Distan for me Yeah it reminds me a bit of Laporte as well in terms of the style of defender he, he was and, um, and obviously yeah. Laporte thrived under Pep so um, who is a player from Liverpool United or Arsenal that you don't really care plays for a rival you just love watching him play A tough one I, I can't say any United players <laughs> I don't enjoy watching a single one of them lot play I'm going to take um, that out of the question from now on Yeah it's just it's just irrational it's inbuilt from birth I think you know like I don't own a red piece of clothing nice. let alone yeah so it can't pick one of them and and Liverpool I don't really want to give them their, their fans any satisfaction you know they've got some good players but they've all got some qualities which I don't like as well um, so I probably have to go with an Arsenal player and despite, you know, Twitter trying to make it some kind of rivalry between Foden and Saka, I really do like Saka as a player. I think he seems a great young young lad, bags of talent and yeah, I think he's really exciting to watch when it's uh, not to City's detriment. Um, <laughs> although Aki has had a couple of good games against him. But um, yeah, I think Saka's a great young player and I think hopefully one day we'll see that in England team with kind of Foden number 10, Saka on the right, and then either, you know, a Sterling or a Rashford, whoever on the left. Um, but yeah, Saka, I think, is a terrific player. Yeah, I mean, that England midfield, and if you include Saka as, you know, a midfielder, I know it's just a Joe Winker, I mean, there's so much talent there. If you get a play, uh, sorry, a manager with a bit of adventure in him, then, my God, England could be very watchable, and I say that as a Welshman. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what is a cherished City result or moment that the rest of us would struggle to recall, but it was quite special for you. Um, this is another one where you're trying to pick a City game and maybe outside of City fans, they wouldn't remember it, but we, City fans always share so much mm. memory. But I'm I'm, I'm going to go with um, City 1, Newcastle 0 in the end of the 2004 season, end of the 03 04 season. We were, we were really struggling the back end of the season and we were kind of in that relegation scrap. Mm. And I remember being nervous. And if we And if we won that day... We kind of had a six-point gap with a few games to go, and we we were we were pretty much safe. I think it was like maybe not mathematically because of some mad goal difference, but we were. If we beat them, we were safe. And 
that season, I'd enjoyed the atmosphere at the Etihad. Obviously, the first year we'd been there, and it's my first year. That was my first year having a season ticket as well. So I'd thought it great, but the atmosphere for that game when we really needed it and everything was on the line. It, I just remember every, every time Newcastle got it, the crowd was on them, and every time City had the ball, they were just cheered on. And then Anelka finds one chop, and one chop sticks it in, and we win one nil against the Newcastle, a good Newcastle side with you know <laughs> Shearer, Amiobi, Robert, and all that kind of stuff. They were they were no mugs, and um, so yeah, that's a game that I always remember from from my early days going to City. That's a perfect example because it's one that I struggle to recall. As in, you know, I can recall it, but I can't recall any details of it. I, I just um, when you said it, then I thought that was a that was a like relegation scrap of that. All I re- remembered from it, yeah. Um, which City signing down the years ultimately disappointed you the most? Probably Bernardo Carardi. When we when we signed him, <laughs> it was it was a time where we were struggling to have a real a striker to stay in the team for more than a year, and we kept chopping and changing. Nobody was getting goals regularly, and then uh, we signed this guy from from Italy. And at that time, I really loved Italian football. You know, the the early two thousands with so many great teams, and their national team obviously winning the World Cup in two thousand and six. So. We signed this player and I look and he'd played for like Lazio, Valencia, Parma. I think oh, we we could have found somebody pretty decent here. And then he gets sent off in his first game and scores three goals for us in the entirety of his, his City career. And it's just like, he was the first Italian to score for City. Um, but um, but yeah, it's uh, he, I just remember being so disappointed. And then I think he was replaced like even like halfway through the season by <laughs> Penza. Um, I like him, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, Carardi. I just remember I had so much hope for him to be to be this Italian superstar, but he was he was he was not that in the slightest. Do you have an irrational hatred of another club? Me trying to think and about the irrational side, and some of them are probably irrational to the outside, but I have a rational reason for yeah. For most of them, I would say I would say maybe maybe Spurs in the sense of you know there's no there's no geographical rivalry or an ancient rivalry or, or a political thing you know like the whole Liverpool Manchester and the you know the the canals and the dot workers or or your next door neighbour but it's just that I remember when we um, lost to them when we were trying to get into the Champions League for the first time. And Crouch scored. Yes, yeah. And I just remember being thinking at that point, even though we'd had, we, you know, we had we'd had Mansour coming by this point, and I thought, oh god, that that was our chance. If we just had to beat Spurs, and maybe we won't get in the Champions League. Funnily enough, the year after that, we qualified, and we've been in the Champions League every year with Crouch own goal, wasn't it? It was mad. Yeah, a Crouch own goal. It was quite poetic, really. Yeah, I remember that, and I think it was maybe passed down to me as well because of. Um, by my dad because he I remember he he said he was like he cried when we lost to them in the FA Cup final in um in 81 right yeah the Ricky Villa so I think there's some you know hereditary PTSD passed down <laughs> to me and then also compounded by a few result a few results against them as well yeah yeah they're not my favorite team I've got to say though and I think I've said on the pod before I went for different companies uh, and so many of my editors are Spurs fans I don't know what it is just pure coincidence but they're all really nice guys so that kind of softens it for me yeah I agree I don't mind Spurs fans at all it's just the games and you know thanks for listening to the first 15 minutes of the show to listen to the full podcast and all our content including reviews previews analysis quizzes and much more go to 9320.com to sign up now or simply click the link in the description. 
So what are you waiting for? Go to 9320.com now for the best, most passionate, impartial coverage of Manchester City and beyond.